right, so we're back. So another edition of the Federal Workers' Comp Coffee Break Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Taylor. I am a uh, Federal Workers' Compensation Consultant and a medical provider in the state of Florida and soon to be Oklahoma. And um, we're starting off on uh, part two of our podcast series on continuation of pay. So let's dive right in and get started. So get your pens and papers ready. Uh, It's important that um, you take notes, and we're going to do some practice tests and some questions on this one to make sure you learn something from the first one. So if you haven't done the first podcast, stop now, go to the first one, listen to that, and then do this one. Okay, now, before we get started, as always, we want to make sure we get our hot coffee going and uh, stay in our short coffee format. And I'm getting my coffee poured as we speak. So let's get started. All right, so this is part two of the COP podcast series that we just talked about, which is an important subject matter because, hey, it's your money. And you want to understand your money. So remember, COP, as we started uh, talking about in the COP before, um, is continuation of pay. And it has to do with the continuation or the continuance of pay of of your regular pay. And so that's why this podcast is quite important. So, uh, first of all, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, If you were uh, invited by somebody else or you found us on the internet, uh, thanks for stopping by. Uh, Here at this podcast, we use a short coffee break podcast format where we discuss all sorts of topics related to OWCP and FECA Act and Department of Labor, Longshore, and any other type of federal workers' compensation. In this short coffee break format, we discuss common topics related to filing uh, appropriate claims, the rules and provisions, the rights, responsibilities of you and your employer, and we cover tips on how to successfully navigate federal workers' comp to assist with your claim. I am not a lawyer. Um, I try to use the material that is provided to us through the procedure manuals and the rules and provisions of the OWCP through the FECA Act. And then on occasion, I'll give you my opinion and my advice and my wisdom and let you know which is different when it's their rules and provisions that I'm quoting versus what I say. And it's a moving target that's always changing. So uh, you always want to double check my information because I don't know when you heard this podcast, but the rules are always changing and you want to keep up to date. And this is my opinion. I just do it for free to help anybody um, who's an injured worker that needs assistance. So, as I said before, this is part two of COP, and COP stands for continuation of pay, as we said before, and continuation of pay is uh, referencing when someone gets hurt and they get a continuance of their regular pay salary for an extension of 45 calendar days if you're disabled from your work injury and unable to work. And COP is a continuation of your regular paycheck that's uninterrupted for 45 calendar days rather than being paid for your time off work through OWCP. So for the rest of this podcast, I will refer to continuation of pay as COP. So let's begin the second part of the series, because we want to start off, first of all, with the post office. So post office, guys, get your notepads out, because it's very different for you guys. We touched on this last time, but let's go into more detail about the differences. So with U.S. Postal Service COP cases, understand the following. If the disability, which is your time off from work, exceeds a total of 14 days, the type of leave elected by you for the three-day waiting period 
must be changed to COP. Remember, there are different types of leave, and we went over that last time, but you have to elect which type of leave you're using, but it can be converted back to COP if you have an extension of more than 14 days. The Postal Service should process a pay adjustment to change any leave used to COP and reinstate any leave used for the three-day waiting period when your time off work exceeds a total of 14 days. Now, if an employee has been cleared by his or her treating physician to return to limited duty work, but suitable work is not provided or available by your uh, Postal Service uh, employing agency, the first three days of work loss count as work disability and count toward a three-day waiting period for COP. The effective date for this revised COP policy, as we stated before, was in uh, 2006. And you can go over that rule. We, we went through it on the last podcast. It's basically the Postal Reform Law, and it was signed, and it was uh, addressing covering COP for traumatic injuries, CA1 uh, claims. Now, termination of COP. When your employer has paid your COP, it may be stopped only when at least one of the following occurs. Number one, if medical evidence is not received within 10 calendar days after the claim is submitted, the 10-day period begins the day after the employee claims COP or the disability begins or recurs. Medical evidence shows that the employee is not disabled from his or her regular position, or medical evidence shows that the employee is capable of performing some form of limited duty, and the employee has refused a suitable written job offer. All of those are grounds for terminating COP. Now, factors that terminate COP. One, let's go through some of the, the common factors. If an employee returns to work with no loss of pay, that one's obvious. If an employee's period of employment expires and the employee has sustained an injury after receiving written notice of the date of termination, he's entitled to COP up to the date of separation and to compensation thereafter. So if you're fired, say, 17 days into 45 days, um, COP paid up to the 17, and then workers' comp would kick in on any days after that. All right, if a preliminary notice of disciplinary action is issued before the injury and becomes final during the period of COP, okay, that would be grounds. If OWCP directs the employer to stop if COP has been paid for the 45 calendar days, okay? So that's the common scenarios that I wanted to go over, and those are the most common things that are asked for in this part two podcast. Now, the next part I want to talk about is I want us to practice. We've gone over a lot of material, okay, probably 40 minutes now of material on COP. Let's do some scenarios. Let's practice because practicing scenarios and questions gives us a good grasp on how to apply COP, and it also gives you a better understanding of how much you really got out of this, and do you need to go back and listen some more, take some more notes. We'll also include some questions at the end for practice. And by the way, this particular material that I'm gonna use for examples are provided years ago by OWCP. They do not um, have it posted on their website anymore, but these are scenarios that were there a few years ago that are no longer are there, but I have those materials. So this is not my work. And again, I'll tell you when it's my work or my opinion versus stuff that is published work by OWCP or FICA. 
they published this, like I said, and then somehow, for some reason, on their latest website, they decided to pull all a lot of these materials, which were helpful. I'm not sure why uh, helpful material need to be pulled, but that's a conversation for another day. All right, so, but by using these scenarios, in my opinion, we can be accurate according to their own posted materials. That way, you can reference this material. Um, and I offer suggestions at times, but other times I like to use your material just so that you have some reference material that's accurate. So let's get your papers out and let's practice a few scenarios and get ready. While you're getting your piece of paper together, I will sip my coffee. All right, let's try the first scenario. Continuation of pay scenario number one. All right, on February the 1st of 2012, John Brown was working as a transportation security screener, lifting bags onto an x-ray machine when a runway bag rolled into his left knee. On the date of injury, he notified his supervisor of the incident. He subsequently stopped working on March the 1st, 2012, a month later, to undergo left knee surgery. Now, on April 1st, 2012, Mr. Brown filed his Form CA-1 notice of traumatic injury form. All right, let's unpack that. So here's some questions. First question, is Mr. Brown's claim timely filed? Second question, is Mr. Brown eligible for COP? All right, I'll let you write your answers down and think about it for a minute and let's go through them individually. So let's start with the first one. Is Mr. Brown's claim timely filed? Yes. It is timely filed. He reported the injury to his supervisor on the date of injury. He meets and satisfies that criteria. Also, a claim for traumatic injury is considered to be timely filed if filed within three years from the date of injury. Okay, a lot of people get confused on that one. All right, second question. Is Mr. Brown eligible for COP? No. Now, why? While Mr. Brown reported the incident to his supervisor on the date of injury, he failed to file his claim within 30 days of the injury on an approved form. So he met the timely filing, but he did not file his actual CA-1 form until when? Two months later. Okay, so he failed to file his claim within 30 days of the injury on an approved form, making him ineligible for the 45-day calendar COP. See why this is important to practice? These are common mistakes. All right, let's try another scenario. This is going to be scenario number two. On January 13, 2009, Scarlett Green was working as a mail processing clerk when she slipped on some water. By the way, these are fake names, so nobody uh, is being uh, outed here. When she slipped on some water on the workroom floor and fell on her back. Now, Ms. Green completed Form CA-1 Notice of Traumatic Injury on January 13, 2009 which is the date of injury, and stopped working immediately following the incident. Ms. Green was totally disabled from work until January 31st, 18 days later of 2009, when she returned to work full-time by her doctor on limited modified duty. Now, on March the 9th, 2009, Ms. Green stopped working to undergo approved surgery for her lower back. Pretty common scenario. So here's some questions. Ready? Write these down. How many days of COP were paid for the period of disability immediately following the work injury? Think about our date ranges. January 13th, okay, 
And then it was um, January 13th to the 31st. And then she went to surgery on March the 9th. Okay. Second question, is Miss Green eligible for COP for the period of disability beginning on, on March 9th, 2009? I said February, I meant March. On March 9th, 2009, please explain. If Miss Green is eligible for COP with the period beginning on March 9th, 2009, what is the last date she will be entitled to COP? All right, think those through. I'll sip on my coffee for a second. All right, ready? So, how many days of COP were paid for the period of disability following the work injury? 17. Remember, you don't count the first day. So, it was 18 days gone by. So, 17 days from the 13th or the 18th. Um, thir uh, I'm sorry, the 13th to the 31st. She would have been eligible for 17 days of COP. Second question, is Miss Green eligible for COP for the period of disability beginning on March 9th of 2009? And please explain. Now this is interesting and pay close attention. The answer to this question is yes. Since Miss Green's work stoppage of March 9th, 2009 is within 45 days from her first return to work on March, I'm sorry, on January 31st, 2009, and she has remaining days of COP, she is entitled to use those remaining days for the continuous period of wage loss. All right, if Miss Green is eligible for COP with the period beginning on March 9, 2009, what's the last date she will be entitled to COP? Okay, 45 days would fall on April the 5th from her date of injury. All right, let's do the third scenario. All right, on January 3rd, 2009, Ann Black, employed as a nurse within the Department of Veterans Affairs, was assisting a co-worker and lifting a patient when she experienced pain and felt a pop in her right elbow. Nurse Black continued to work the remainder of her shift in the next several days. However, as the pain would not subside with home remedies, Nurse Black sought medical treatment on, on January the 10th. This is seven days later, at which time she was placed off from work for two weeks. Nurse Black filed her form CA-1 on January 10, 2009, again seven days later, following her medical appointment and provided her supervisor with the medical documentation to support her work stoppage. Okay, so now think about the, a couple of scenarios. Nurse Black returned to work full-time on January 25th. She subsequently lost intermittent hours to attend physical therapy on the following dates. Okay, January the 28th and 30th, February the 3rd, 6th, 10th, 14th, 18th, 20th, and 24th, 26th, and on March 2nd, 5th, 9th, and 13th. In spite of this extensive treatment, Nurse Black's right elbow condition did not improve and she ended up needing surgery. She stopped working altogether on March 17th, 2009 to undergo right elbow surgery and was off work indefinitely. Alright, it's a lot to unpack. So... Get your pens out, and we'll write these down. So here's some of the questions. You may have to pause the podcast while you do that. All right, if you're coming back, let's go through it. First of all, is Nurse Black entitled to COP? That's question number one. If so, what dates is COP payable? payable? That's uh, question number two. Are there any dates for which COP is not payable? Question number three. And if so, please note the dates for which COP is not payable and explain why. Ready? Okay. Pause it, figure it out, come on back. All right, welcome back. First of all, is Nurse Black entitled to COP? Answer is yes. 
If so, on what dates is COP payable? I think I should play the Jeopardy music here while you're making your calculations. I will pause and sip my coffee instead. <laughs> Read. All right. Ready? Here's your answer. January 10, 2009 through January of 24, 2009 and the intermittent hours lost from January 28th for her PT treatments to the date of March 9th, 2009 should be paid. Now, are there any dates for which COP is not payable in her scenario? If so, please note the dates. So the answer here is, and, and we'll explain why. The answer is yes. March 13th of 2009 and the period beginning on March 17th of 2009 would not fall under COP. While the claimant did not use all 45 days of COP, the intermittent date of March 13th and disability beginning on March 17th of 2009 is more than 45 calendar days after her first return to employment on January 25th, 2009. So you see why sharing this podcast and knowing this material is important. It really does affect your money, and it's not easy. Okay? Let me try another common scenario with you, and we'll wrap this part up. We This one I'm not going to do as a question. I'm just going to teach here for a second. Okay? An injured worker on day four after an injury filing has to miss a work week of five days due to an exacerbation of his condition that resulted in disability and uses his COP and returns to work on day six. Now, on the 20th day, 14 days later, the employee, because of needing a medical procedure due to the injury, needs to be off work. So now he misses an additional two days because he ends up being scheduled for two separate days uh, to do two different procedures. Let's say they're uh, injections, for example. And all of these occurred during the 45 calendar days after the date of injury. So in this scenario, he only misses a few hours on the first day for the procedure and misses a full day for the second procedure. Based on what we've learned in podcast one and today, the injured worker could still use COP for both absences due to the fact that he's not exceeded the 45 calendar days of COP that could be used. Okay, that's why we try to teach this stuff. You need to know this because... They will readily take your money and not pay you what you deserve. All right, let's try a few practice questions. Number one, ready? Continuation of pay applies to traumatic injury cases and is the continuance of the employee's regular pay for a period not to exceed A, one calendar date of disability, B, 30 calendar days of disability, or C, 45 calendar days of disability, or D, one year of disability. Well, we know this one. This is C, 45 calendar days disability. An employee must begin losing time from work due to a traumatic injury within 45 days of the injury to be eligible for COP. True or false? Absolutely, it's true. Number three, during the COP period, if a claimant stops work after four hours to attend a medical appointment, how many COP days will be counted towards the 45-day entitlement? Is it zero days, half day, or one day? Well, we learned in the first podcast, it would be a full day or C, one day. All right, fourth question. Once an injured employee decides to use leave versus COP, they are unable to alter that decision, true or false? That is absolutely false. If an employee returns to work following a work stoppage without using all 45 days of COP and then suffers a recurrence of disability within the 45 calendar days 
from the first return to work, the employee is A, entitled to use the remainder of the 45 days, B, is not entitled to any other COP. Well, we learned in the first podcast that it's A, he is entitled to use the remainder of the 45 days. Question number six. Employee agency can controvert paying COP for one of nine reasons. The examples below are reasons to controvert COP except A, disability is a result of an occupational disease or illness. B, employee states they fell, however, no one saw it. C, an injury occurred off employee agency premises and the employee was not engaged in official off-premise duties. Or D, work stoppage first occurred more than 45 days after the injury. Or E, the employee reported injury after employment was terminated. In this scenario of these examples, it would be B, okay? An employee agency can controvert paying COP for the other reason, okay? The example below that we've read are easy to controvert COP, except the one that says the employee states they fell and no one saw it. That is not a qualification. All right, seven. An employee agency may stop COP with when which of the following occurs. Okay, when medical evidence is not received within 10 calendar days after the claim is submitted, medical evidence shows that the employee is not disabled from their regular position, medical evidence shows that the employee is capable of performing limited duty, and the employee has refused a suitable written job offer, OWCP directs the employee to stop, or COP has been paid for 45 days, or all the above. We definitely learn that it is all of those scenarios, so it would be all the above. So what have we learned so far, all right? We know the continuation of pay is a continuance of the employer's regular pay for a period not to exceed 45 calendar days of disability. Employees must begin losing time from work due to traumatic injury within 45 days of the injury to be eligible for COP. And we know the COP should be charged for weekends and holidays if the medical evidence shows the employee was disabled, the days in question, and calendar days are counted, not just work days. If an employee returns to work following a work stoppage without using all 45 days of COP, then suffers a recurrence of disability within 45 days from the first return to work date, the employee is entitled to use the remainder of the 45 days. To controvert the claim, the agency must complete the indicated portion of Form CA-1 and submit detailed information in support of the controversy to OWCP. And your employer's objection to pay COP has list of nine reasons that we've gone over provided by regulation and is called controversial. Go back to COP controversial in podcast one if you need to review that. When your employer is paid COP, it may be stopped only in certain instances. And please see continuation of pay presentation for those instances in podcast one. COP is not workers comp. It is your regular paycheck. It's just extended for 45 calendar days. It is subject to the usual deductions like tax and all that because your regular paycheck. And the pay rate for COP purposes is equal to your regular weekly pay rate. It excludes overtime and changes in pay would have otherwise have occurred during the 45 periods will continue to be reflected. Okay, so in review... Make sure that continuation of pay is understood, that it is only applicable to traumatic injuries when you follow CA-1, and basically we've learned that COP is a a substitute for compensation benefits for 45 days, which is your regular check. 
Once COP begins, we've learned at 45 calendar days need not be in succession. For example, employee receives COP for 15 days is entitled to 30 more days of COP in the event there is a recurrence of the disability. All right, that's it for this podcast, part two of COP. So that does it for Federal Workers Comp Coffee Break Podcast. I want to thank you for listening. I want to remind you to share this podcast with other federal workers. And you would, um, you know, if you think they would benefit from this information, and uh, I appreciate you sharing that. I get a lot of uh, emails, a lot of shared information from people. I appreciate your emails. I appreciate your comments. Thank you very much. Also, if you need an approved medical provider for your DOL, OWCP, or Longshore case in Florida, you can find me in Tampa. You can find me in Jacksonville and uh, pretty soon in Oklahoma. To make a consultant uh, appointment with me or to discuss your case with me, in Florida, you can reach me at 813-877-6900. Also, if you're in another state and you want me to assist you with claim questions or assistance for your doctor, uh, if you need help or your doctor needs help, you can reach out to me at fedcompconsultants at protonmail.com. I'd be more than glad to help you. And uh, listen, I don't mind helping your doctor. I know I can't be everywhere and I don't mind it. I want to... Uh, get this coffee warmed up and get going but as usual i always want to end with thanking all of you who put on that uniform the badge and deliver that mail take care of our veterans and make this government run i give this as a big thank you i do this for free just for you we could not do this with all the work out there that you do so thank you very much and remember if you have an injured federal claim and you need claim assistance i'm here to help so i'll see you next time i'm off to get my next cup of coffee i hope you enjoy this really difficult material that we've covered in this two-part COP podcast series. Thanks for joining, and we will see you next time.